From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Dr. Mobin Karimi is an assistant professor of microbiology and immunology at Upstate and a native of Afghanistan who is giving back through a project we invited him here to talk about. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to start by asking about your background. Um, you were born in Afghanistan. Um, yes, I was born in Afghanistan, and I went to medical school there, and I came to uh, Stanford, California, where I completed my medical training, and I obtained my PhD from University of Massachusetts, and oh. I did my postdoctoral training at the University of Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, and then I came here in July 2017 as a professor. Came here to Syracuse? Yes. Okay. Well, um, you spent some time in refugee camp. Yes, right? I grew up in the refugee camp. Um, from what age? At the age of 10. Okay. And then um, you worked in a war zone? Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so at the very young age, I lost uh, most member of my family, and uh, is most Afghan. We became refugee between Afghanistan and Pakistan. Living in the refugee camps um, was uh, was hard, but I went to school there, and my objective is was to complete my education, go abroad. Um, in the refugee camp, there was an English newspaper. I worked there at night to learn English, and um, uh, there was no uh, compensation for my work, but it was uh, primarily to learn English. And I used the language to get a job at the International Red Crescent. International Red Crescent is like uh, Red Cross. Okay. But in the Muslim countries, they call them Red Crescent. And uh, my job was to take um, surgeons nurses and um, general physician from the border region between Afghanistan and Pakistan to inside Afghanistan so they can assess the medical condition inside Afghanistan. Okay. And uh, one of that trip, we were traveling to, from Afghanistan, from Pakistan to Afghanistan. Um, we, our, jeep, our car was attacked and we lost two surgeons, and I was wounded, so I was transferred to Germany for treatment. So I spent a year in Germany and went back to Afghanistan and continued to work with um, uh, Red Crescent. And um, Dr. Paul Cutler, who is an American surgeon, uh, live in Palo Alto, California. He sponsored um, me to the United States, and that's how I came here. So you spent a year in Germany um uh, during rehabilitation, from yes, yes, some, yes, it sounded treatment. like some pretty severe injuries. To so, so it went know. from the from one side of the leg; it come out the bullet to the other oh. side of the leg. So the the bone was pretty much fractured. So in order to make it even, they have to cut the other side of the bone equally, so that I will be even. Otherwise, I will be a few inches shorter one leg wow. versus the other leg. Well, did that experience, is that what sort of um, interested you in medicine and science? Did that? Yes, I am. Um, interested in medicine was at a very young age. My mom died um, when I was two days old, and I always asked my father and my sisters, where is my mother? Mm-hmm. And my mother died because um, we were twin, me and my sister, and uh, um, I survived, uh, but my sister strangled herself to umbilical cord. And my mom, my, my, by the time they took my mother to the hospital, it was too late. She had excessive bleeding. So I always wanted to become a physician so I can go back to the society and, and help people. Huh. Uh, so it was, a, it was a young age dream. And uh, 
I succeeded in that. It sounds like it. Thank you. So, and you do microbiology and immunology here at Upstate. Tell me what uh, what you're involved in. What are your projects here? So there, in hematological cancer, there are two kinds of primarily cancer. One happened in the cells there and the periphery that are circulating in your body called either B cells or T cells. And there are a lot of treatments available for them, either pharmacological treatment or also there's a thing called CAR T cells, which was developed in uh, University of Pennsylvania. But um, majority of the people don't have that kind of hematological cancer. Majority of the people have cancer in the bone marrow. They're called, um, it, it's derived from stem cells. Okay. So what happened if you treat them, the symptom, what happened, the cancer relapsed back. So the one of the effective treatment for for the bone marrow derived, bone marrow derived hematological malignancy is bone marrow transplant. And bone marrow transplant, if you do it for, if you perform it from the relative, that's uh, called HLA or genetically matched the person, there is a less chance uh, that they will that they will uh, engraft it because basically. If you're genetically related and the bone, can, the, the cancer is in the bone marrow, it will definitely relapse. There's a 90% chance relapse. So we have to perform it from people who are not genetically related. Okay. So the chances are that they will not relapse. Interesting. So in order for bone marrow to engraft, we have to give them some mature T cells. T cells are circulating cells in your body and they fight against... Um, bacteria, against uh, viruses, against many things. So without that T-cells, the bone marrow will not engraft. And you needed that T-cells to eliminate malignancy. So basically, a patient come to the clinic, uh, we give them chemotherapy and radiation, and eventually we, we do call allogenic bone marrow transplant, which is from non-genetically related people. And between 20 to 80% of these people will develop a disease called Graf-Forces host disease. So the donor, the mature donor T cells will engraft the stem cells into the recipient, and they will also eliminate most of the malignant cells, but they will also attack host because those mature T cells are not developed in the body of the recipient during the development. So it's like a body rejecting? So it so it will so since the patients are uh, receive heavy chemotherapy and radiation, their immune system cannot fight back. So these donor T cells come and they proliferate. They produce this molecule called cytokines, and they also try to kill anything that comes in their way. And the major organs that get damaged are uh, liver, small intestine, and skin. Basically, patients um, who are suffering from Graf-Forsyth host disease in a, in a human, their skin kind of falling up hmm. apart. Hmm. But um, organ damage is significant uh, risk for those GBHD patients. So my research is involved since the Graf-Forsyth host disease is caused by T-cells, mature T-cells. You need that T-cell uh, for engraftment, and you need that T-cells to fight uh, malignant cells, so we modulate those T-cells, signaling that they will fight the cancer cells, but they will not fight the human normal cells. Very neat. Okay. So we do a lot of uh, engineering 
in the mouse models, and we do a lot of correlative study with the human p patient that they have similar disease. Wow. Well, that's got some promise. Um, tell me about your trip back home to Afghanistan last fall. So the rest of my family and brothers and sisters, they live in Afghanistan. I live here with my own family in Milius, New York. Um, when I went there September 2017, um, after five, six years, uh, I had a hope that Afghanistan would uh, be progress towards prosperity and there will be school, there will be clinics. Um, but the whole district that I live, they don't have a single school. And uh, the, the other point is that Afghanistan has a very, very high uh, infant, uh, infant and uh, maternal mortality rate, anywhere between 40 to 60 percent, mm. uh, just because the lockup uh, medical facilities and the clinics and the hospitals in the areas, there's not many. And the uh, literacy rate? The literacy rate is very, very high, anywhere between 80 to 90 percent. Um, so... As I mentioned earlier, my dream was to become a physician to help hack society in Afghanistan, even though I came to America, but the situation in Afghanistan has not been improved in the past 40 years since my, mo my mother passed away. Uh, so we established um, uh, basically one organization called Education for Afghan Children. It has uh, two purposes. One is to build... Um, uh, elementary school from the age of, uh, from the from the from first grade all the way to sixth grade, uh, so from fifth from uh, the age of five and all the way to ten, and the second purpose is to build um, a healthcare facility. So the healthcare facilities involved um, training Afghan women to become midwives, and that's one of the good model that has been working so far for us. Uh, because we can't take a doc doctor from the cities or from outside to work with us inside Afghanistan. So we primarily focus on the women they lost their husband due to war. Okay. So the female population uh, in, some of the, in some countries, when they, they lose husband, they become like a, a property of somebody else. So now we came along and we recruited those uh, women. We gave them six-month training. And after six-month training, uh, if they're interested, we give them six-month more training and total up 18-month training. Uh, so here was a female that she was a burden in the society. She considered a property of someone. Now she has a respect in the society. She become a life savior. And, and a career, right? And a career. So we don't expect anything back from them in return, but we ask them if they can contribute 10% of their time back to the society so they can help us to improve this organization. Uh, so we face a lot of challenges. Um, we apply to USAID for ad uh, to, to fund our project, um, but that didn't go well with the, with the society. So what we did is we... Uh, we talked to the tribal elders in the community, and the tribal elder assured us that they will work with us. So we have a five-member uh, council of the tribe, and they pretty much run the organization, and they pretty much uh, uh, agree to all of our, uh, the everything we ask for it. Um, we also asked the Taliban to not harm us and give us the permission to educate Afghan boys and girls. And we specifically wrote this in the application that girls will be educated. And so, also, how do you just ask the Taliban? Right. It, it, it is um, 
It's very interesting because uh, in Afghanistan, in order for everything to work, you have to have a support of the tribes. So tribe support is essential. Since we don't have any outside ties and we can ask for donation, for funding from any uh, resources without any attachment, therefore the tribe believed us and we are among the people that um, they work with us. So we, with the tribal elder, we went to the Taliban and they agreed to every demand we ask, uh, especially educating Afghan women to become midwives. Afghan boys and girls, and we specifically wrote in the application that between first grade to sixth grade will be co-education. And they're okay with females? They, they, they are okay with educated? us. They give us a permission, and we wrote their letters of approval in our website, uh, afghaneducation.org, and uh, we have their letters, and we also went to the government. We asked them for their permission to the Afghan government, and they also agree with us. We also... Uh, applied to United Nations for um, be a consultant organization. Were you surprised that the Taliban is supportive of this stuff? I was really surprised, but um, when we talked to them, they were uh, I was shocked that that they would be agreed. But they agreed to support our organization, and they gave us an official letter uh, that that girls and boys will be educated in this uh, school, and also the also women will be educated in this facility. So it was a surprise, but I think the need is, is so much. Everybody realized that uh, the Afghan society needs a lot of help. And to the, I, I live, I grew up in the rural area in Afghanistan, and I, and the school and the midwife training center has been built in the rural area of Afghanistan. So since there is a lockup, total lockup medical facilities. And in order for the Taliban to function in these communities, they have to have a support from the tribes. And tribes need that help. Tribes need our help to educate the uh, children and edu educate the Afghan women. Because if you have a s between 40 to 6 percent infant mortality rate, uh, that, that is significantly higher than any part of the world. Well, the, the Taliban has the same uh, issues with health care ha and having a high infant mortality rate, right, among their yeah, children. And among their children. Among. So uh, would some of the Taliban children be at the school too? So we are, since we are not a political organization, um, and we open to anybody who are local living in that area as long as they can commute to our school, um, you know, nobody is born to be a Taliban or a government or pro-American and anti-American. They're children. They need to be educated. And education is the key for prosperity, and education is the key for the future of Afghanistan. Now, from what I've read, um, part of the reason that there are no schools in Afghanistan at this point um, had to do with corruption in the education sector. So how did you get around that so that money that is given to education for the Afghan children is actually going to be used to help build the schools and the healthcare facilities. How do it's you It's a great avoid? question. The, the biggest problem in Afghanistan is the Afghan government because Afghan government is the most corrupt government in, in, the, in, the, whole, in the globe. Uh, and as long as we work directly with the, with the tribe and we are uh, we're taking direct responsibility. I travel once a uh, once a year there, or in a few months, uh, and also we. The, the 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 important thing is that we have a support from a local people, and we work directly 
in that school and we work directly to build those clinics. So as long as we are not working with the government or through the government channels, um, the AIDS will be 100% delivered to people. The problem is that when I looked at uh, United Nations and other NGOs, they are, uh, some of them asking $100,000 for school, but asking half a million for security. Hmm. Or a million for security. So all the money that they're asking for security, 90% of this money is going to the warlords, or money going to the Afghan government. We are not asking for any security from people since we are directly working with the people in Afghanistan. So our success is that there is a direct link. We are not going to a government. We are not going to a political organization. We are not going to the Taliban or government or any, any NGOs from whether it's in, based in U.S. or based in Afghanistan. We, we are directly linked with the people. And um, do you have teachers already prepared uh, there to once the school is, is built? So our initial um, estimated there will be 500 students in the school. And 60% of those will be girls and 40% will be boys. That's because the that's how the populations uh, exist in Afghanistan. Um, we have one teacher per class. So that will be up to sixth grade. And it will not be like um, in the good area of the United States where you have a 20 students per uh, teacher. In Afghanistan, we might have 50 students, so more than that per teacher. Uh, once the school get established, when we have enough, once we have enough resources, once we have enough funding, we will be able to recruit better teachers, and we will be able to produce better uh, people locally that they can help. Okay. Well, let's talk about the health problems that affect Afghanistan. We've already mentioned the high mortality rate and the neonatal mortality, which midwives hopefully will be able to have an impact on both of those. Um, but there's some preventable illnesses that contribute to high child mortality and morbidity. What are the what are the main? See, ones? for example, um, in America, a lot of people don't know about um, like listeria infection. Listeria grow and when the milk is not posturated, so the mom when is pregnant she drink the non posturized milk and pass that into um, into a child and the de child is destined to die. Huh. And the, it might not have a big impact on the mother, but it has right. significant impact on the child. Uh, so those are easy, treatable uh, illnesses. For example, uh, we, we contacted the NIH, National Institute of Health, um, to give us a f uh, seven different strain of uh, vaccine for Listeria. So we can take those vaccine and we can grow those vaccine in yogurt, and then we feed pregnant women with yogurt, and that will significantly reduce um, listeria infection. Neat. Okay. Um, sanitation, for example, is one of the other um, problem. The bigger problem is a young uh, girl's been married to, uh, to somebody older than her, and once the young girls have, uh, they're very, uh, I mean, physically, they're immature. Her body is not developed yet, and when she, when that when she has a baby, that has a greater impact on her health and the health care of the baby. Because as you know, baby grow up in the home of mother and received most of the nutrient, most of the calcium, most of the things that need to survive is from mother. So when the mother is self or not, 
uh, pure developed yet and had a pregnancy at a very young age, uh, that is considerable problem. But to that uh, problem is um, we can educate the Afghan in this regard. And when Afghan girls have education, they will be able to give them independence. The education will, will give them independence. And that independence will enable them to not be sold as a young child bride. Interesting. So education is a big part of this. Education in health care. Education a is a big part for the long term. But for the short term, we can vaccinate for listeria. We can vaccinate for any other um, illness that's preventable. Sanitation, water system. Um, those are, for example, we in Afghanistan, people still drink uh, waters from the well and the treatment of water. Um, uh, cooking procedure, um, sanitation can be, uh, be the, the, the significant part of this. Uh, but those be, those, everything that what I said will be up like a bandage kind of treatment. The long-term treatment will come when we educate those girls and that what is important for their health and what is important for the health of their child, uh, what makes them sick and what's give them better health for them and their child will be the goal that hopefully we can achieve it for 10, 15 years from now. Well, it's encouraging to have someone like you who's invested in, because that's where you're from, yeah. to come back and, and maybe that's what is needed to help make an impact that will be lasting. So, I think it's a great opportunity for people like me who, there was a lot of, as you know, there are a lot of Afghan, they came here in the 80s and the 90s and they went to school here and now. Uh, they have a successful career. If everybody can contribute back to society, is a great opportunity to help Afghanistan and the Afghan people. Uh, a foreign group can come and enjoy, can come with a very good intention, but they they might not be that effective because the lack of cultural understanding, the lack of the language, who to deal with it, uh, a lot of money is vested. So. Uh, Afghan who has a direct length in Afghanistan, who are from Afghanistan, can contribute significantly to the problems of Afghanistan. Well, the fact that you um, communicated and, and got through to the Taliban, it, yeah. to me, is amazing. So um, maybe that's I, what it took, though, having someone who is familiar. I, I think you have to understand the culture sensitivity and also understand um, where the people are coming from. I mean... Uh, I thought that talking to the Taliban will be incredibly important because um, the region is controlled by Taliban for the past 10, 15 years. There is no government in the region. There is no school in the region. So talking to them was very important for us. But if I would have gone to them, talked to them by myself, they would have just rejected because I came from America and they would have seen me as another foreigner. But Talking to the tribes, talking with all the tribes, with, with you. all the tribes' support and strong letters from them, and sitting in the Afghan way as a, as a Jirga system, it's a council system. Uh, they were very much impressed by the way we approached them, and they agreed to almost everything we asked for. It. 
Wow. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. I appreciate it. My guest has been Dr. Mobin Karimi, an assistant professor of microbiology and immunology at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.